Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and today's episode, as we come near the end of 2023, one of the things that I like to do with this podcast is each year reflect on the lessons learned from a personal standpoint for me, from my trading. And usually I'm pretty critical of myself, so bear with me there. But I think there's a lot to be critical of this year in particular. I found that this year was probably one of the more challenging, one of the more difficult years of trading that I've had in quite some time. And I, looking back, I think a lot of it is understandable. Some of it I could have done better. And there was just a lot of new variables that were introduced to this market that I don't know if we've ever seen so much crazy change in one year for a stock market. So this podcast episode, I'm highlighting the lessons learned from 2023. So no email today, no questions being asked from listeners. Today is more of a self-reflection. This is podcast episode 383. I appreciate everybody that has continuously supported this podcast over the years. And I encourage you, if you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about trading, to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. That's going to take you to all of my stock market research that I provide to listeners each and every day for a small fee. That's including multiple videos each day, watch list reviews, daily watch lists. I'm also providing weekly updates to my master bullish and bearish watch lists, plus updates on all the big tech stocks like Meta, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, NVIDIA, Microsoft, and Tesla. Plus, I'm going to update you on the overall stock market with charts on the video charting analysis on the S&P 500, NASDAQ 100, and the Russell 2000. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. And in the process, you're supporting this podcast. So I've got just a whole list of things to go over on this podcast episode. So years like 2022, I enjoy it because I didn't do a lot of wrong things. I was like spot on all the time. 2023, man, this is probably not my favorite episode that I'll be doing. So the first lesson, things learned. Better off letting the market news play less and less influence on my trading decisions with, of course, the exception of earnings on individual stocks. I'm not going to hold a stock through individual earnings ever. But that's at least from a swing trading standpoint. But from a market news standpoint, it can really mess you up on your trades. You can say to yourself, okay, we got CPI this week and PPI. We got Apple earnings and we got the FOMC. What day are you going to trade if you're going to be basing all your decisions off of these big events that are going to affect the market? And then you get through these events, you're like, man, they were really duds. Or they might have been really big and they might have worked out in your favor had you held or you might have been stopped out. But either way, you probably would have been better off just ignoring them. And, and because half the time, too, you get a CPI report where it shows inflation running hot. You get the initial move lower and then you take off for the rest of the day or it comes in that inflation's running cool and we still sell. So it's better off to look at for me. This is. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it from my own swing trading standpoint. The things that I've learned is that I need to let less and less these market risk events play less of a role in my trading decisions, less of an influence. The other thing, and I think this is probably a big one, is getting better at the market reversals. Before it used to be, okay, you know, we're going to sell off. You're going to short it while it's selling off. And then it's going to bottom finally. And it's going to start to base. Well, not anymore. 
Well, I mean, I shouldn't say not anymore. We've seen plenty of V-shaped bounces over the years. But even when you get a V-shaped bounce, you'll get like a little bit of a pullback at some point that gives you a better opportunity to get in. But with some of these rallies, especially the one off the November lows and the one that we saw following the regional banking crisis in March, it was straight up. I mean, it was like no looking back. And so going into the November bounce or the late October bounce, I was short there for like the past month. I was doing really good being short on the market. I was enjoying it. I had one of my best months of the year doing that. And then the market reversal happened. I get you know, taken out of my shorts, which is fine. I walked out of them with profits. I've been taking profits along the way as well. And then you're like saying to yourself, holy cow, when do I get in? And so then going back to the first point of letting the market news play less of an influence on you, I see the FOMC statement coming out and I'm like, all right, I'm going to let this pass because we've already run pretty hard into the FOMC statement. And we've been, you know, selling off for three consecutive months and we're just putting in probably a higher low. And then you get the FOMC statement and in like the last final hour of trading, we, you know, blow it up to the upside. And then you get this massive gap higher of like 2% the next day and you just keep on rallying from there. And now here we are in mid to late December and the market's still rallying since then. It really hasn't hardly pulled back at all. I mean, you could barely get a pullback on the hourly chart, much less on the on the weekly. I mean, it's rallied eight straight weeks. So better at the reversals. That's one thing, especially with the upside. When I'm coming out of a short position, I need to get better at coming out of my reversals from the short side, recognize the change, and get long a little bit quicker and not let it just keep playing out. Dip buying. Now, dip buying is something that's been going on forever. People have been buying at the last 30 minutes. People buy... Especially the more bullish a market gets, the more aggressive people get with their dip buying. Dip buying is ingrained in the market mindset post-COVID. And I think the reason for that is if you remember, if you were trading back when you had the COVID sell-off, you had a significant moment of selling when they shut down the whole economy where the market dropped like 30% in a matter of like five or six weeks. And then you got this bottom when they started stimming the, the crap out of the country. And then when the Fed injected all this money into the system and cut rates down to zero, the market took off. And I think a lot of people who bought that dip were emboldened here this year after 2022 to buy the dip again. And then in late October to continue to buy it as well. So the dip buying is definitely ingrained in this market post COVID. Now you go before COVID dip buying was always a popular strategy Buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip, but even more so and even more aggressively here in post COVID. So the next two points are pretty similar. The first one, don't fight the Fed really doesn't have much worth anymore. When you see how successfully the bulls are able to fight the Fed, despite the fact the Fed is telling you we're going to be higher for longer, market keeps ripping higher. The Fed says, oh, there's probably going to be like two to three rate cuts next year, but don't guarantee it. We, we're not guaranteeing anything. And then the market price is in like six or seven. It's like, oh, we don't believe you. So the market is fighting the Fed and they're getting away with it. And the, the popular axiom from years past has always been, don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. And it's true. I mean, you know, I mean, 2022, the market sold off while the market, while the Fed was raising rates. That did work then, but this year, completely different. So that doesn't, doesn't mean that it won't come back into play again, where essentially you don't fight the Fed. But right now that is not the case. And the market doesn't believe the Fed until it proves otherwise, because, and this is the second point, it doesn't believe it because it has a track record or a history of bailing out the markets. What happened during the regional banking crisis? The Fed jumped in and bailed all the regional banks out, set up the bank term funding program or whatever it's called, which continues to creep higher every week here. And nobody's really saying anything about that. So somebody's blowing up behind the scenes and nobody's wanting to tell us who. But the market doesn't believe that the Fed will ever let the market go down so much that it wouldn't intervene again. So there's this backstop with the Fed. Some people call it the Fed put. 
and the market's not going to believe that the Fed won't cater to the whims of the market until it eventually shows that it won't cater to the market. Right now, it still caters. I mean, if you saw the last FOMC statement, Jerome Powell, probably the weakest Fed chairman that there's ever been, weaker than Yellen, weaker than Bernanke, completely succumbed to the market's wishes at the last FOMC. And the market still even took it to further extremes than what he went to. He'll say one thing, but then he'll say a completely different thing during the press conference. So that's been frustrating. And it goes back to not paying much attention to the market news because the market news, it's not that it doesn't impact the market, but you're better off just focusing on price and volume and following the price and volume than trying to incorporate market news into the technical analysis. At least for me, kind of going through these a little bit slow. Maybe I'll pick it up before the end here. But the next one, market is as inefficient as it has ever been. This goes back to the market fighting the Fed, the market putting in some crazy PEs on stocks that don't deserve it. Take NVIDIA. Yes, I know that they're the leader on these chips with the AI and everything else, but they've got like, you know, triple digit PE ratios here that it'll take decades and decades for it to fully realize that potential. You've got Apple trading at over a 30 PE. You've got just scores of companies that are incredibly overvalued. I mean, just look at the 2023 chart for Costco, especially late in the year and the kind of run that it has made. Very inefficient market. Very. If you look at the, going back to Costco, if you look at it and you look at their increases of memberships year over year, and that's where they make most, most of their money is from membership. Yes, the memberships are increasing. They're increasing the stores and everything. But it ain't increasing to the extent that the stock price is increasing. So very inefficient market. People are hyping themselves up to buying everything in sight. And there's no fear. And that is because the market is as inefficient as it has ever been because a casino mindset is now ingrained in the market. You look at just professional sports right now. What do you see in almost every commercial? You see DraftKings and you see all these different websites. ESPN, which is owned by Disney, is trying to get into the gambling now. Who would have ever thought those two would go together? Disney and gambling. Unless you're watching the Pinocchio movie. And you got parlays. Man, people are blowing life savings on this stuff with the hopes that they're going to make some money off of it. And they can do all the disclaimers they want. That's not going to deter somebody from gambling. They're not going to say, well, I was going to make this big monster bet on this game, but because Peyton Manning told me to seek help if I'm gambling too much, I think I'm going to follow his advice. No. But that same mindset that you're seeing in sports and how corporate America is seizing on the opportunity to jump on this gambling bandwagon, I'm not saying that it's bad. I've played DraftKings before. I've lost every time because I think sports is probably one of the most unpredictable events that you can bet on. Just look at how difficult it is to win fantasy football. But in the same sense, that mindset has taken over Wall Street as well, especially among the retail crowd. Traders are obsessed with it. It's another form of gambling for them. It's almost like, you know, buying Eli Lilly, Tesla, AMD, NVIDIA, and Apple is like their dream fantasy football lineup. If you could equate those to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Christian McCaffrey and Tyree Kill all on the same team. That's that's kind of what these people are relating these companies to. It's almost like a fantasy football kind of a deal. And so the casino mindset has been ingrained. And that's one thing that I have to be willing to recognize is that the crowd mentality is going to be stronger than ever because there's so much more of the crowd in it. And they're desperate for gains in the very short term. That's why they can run the market up nine, 10 days in a row because they don't know any bounds to their greed. They haven't been punched in the face yet. Like, 
some of us seasoned traders have been punched in the face that realizes that risk reward does play a part in all of this if you're going to last for the long haul. So let's now go a little bit away from some of my macro observations. I talked about how I need to be better at reversals. And one of the ways that I can do that is start building positions faster. And I, I don't think I did a great job of that this year. I need to build positions faster, even if I take on some losses in the early going. That's okay. But when then when I get it right, when I do get into the trades, then I can continue to add more and more positions. And as the market continues to rally, I can have seven, eight, nine stocks that will be in the portfolio. And yes, I might have lost in the first two or three trades, but that's being far outpaced now by the nine or 10 trades that are now profitable because I've been able to build my portfolio up over time. So I need to build the positions faster, be a little bit more aggressive. And I, I probably wouldn't even say a little more, probably a lot more aggressive. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to go right now after eight weeks to the upside, the market's just like raging. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to start adding all these new positions to the portfolio. No, I'm not going to do that. I also think shorting is as difficult as ever. It, there's just not a long enough window there to make it advantageous. I've had some decent short trades this year. But then when it's over, holy cow, is it over? In 2023, when the window for shorting was over, there was no basing. It was straight back to all-time highs over the course of eight weeks in such a phenomenal fashion. Something that is as crazy as I haven't seen since, really since COVID, but that was explainable because we were stimming the crap out of the economy. Right now, we're not stimming anything in this economy. We're actually going the opposite direction, but yet the market was able to beat the odds fight the Fed, and push it back up to all-time highs. So that makes shorting very, very, very difficult. And I've done some podcasts this year, and it's worth going back to, is shorting dead. I think I did two of them on that. And in many ways, yes, it is dead. Because you, there's this belief, and that doesn't mean that it can't eventually come back. Maybe it's just on life support, but people have got to realize that they can lose money in the stock market. And right now, everything just always comes back. Yes, you might take 40 or 50% losses, but hold on. It'll come back. And so it pays to be optimistic in that regard. When you short stocks and you're willing to go long stocks, then there's three variables you're playing with. You're playing with longs, shorts, and cash. How much cash, how much long, or how much short? Three variables. When you're just going to be optimistic, it's always going to be, how long do I want to be? How much long exposure do I want versus cash? So if you're not very optimistic at all, you go 100% cash. If you're very optimistic, then obviously the max optimism would be 100% unless you're going to go into margin, which I'm not a big fan of. Because when you see the market going up like it has over the last eight weeks, what other option is there, <laughs> right? That's how it feels, at least. Now, do I think we're never going to get another sell-off ever again that 2022 was the end of sell-offs? No. But you still have a Fed. Unless you get a Paul Volcker back in there, you've got a Fed that's going to constantly accommodate the market. And one thing I don't think I'd acknowledged early on, I thought it was just kind of a stupid phenomenon at first, was the role of zero DTE. It just sounded so stupid on the surface level, but then it became ingrained in the market. And now most of your market activity on a daily basis revolves around options that are expiring the same exact day. So what does this all come down to? What am I trying to take from all this? One, I think the biggest thing is, is I need to be more aggressive in the early stages of a bull market, adding positions. I need to do that much more. Even it means that the first few trades I don't get right. Ultimately, when that bull market rolls around, I'll be in a good position to seize upon it. Doesn't mean that I won't ever short the market. That'll be something that I don't think I ever give up completely, but I'm going to be much more selective about what I short and when I short. Because when the market finally does reverse, it can be hard to get back to the long side because you're looking for that opportunity to short the dead cap balance. And if it doesn't come, you're on the outside looking in. I also think too that 
I want to do a better job, and I talked about this in a previous podcast here, I think last week maybe or the week before, about scaling out of losers. Oftentimes, I'll let a full position just get stopped out if it's not going to work in my favor. But I think, too, that along the way, I can scale out of a losing position. I did that some this year, but I didn't do it entirely enough. But I found that when I did do that, actually, the results were much better. Oftentimes, it gave me enough time to stay in the stock to where instead of just completely getting out before the stop loss ever hit, like sometimes when the stock starts to move against me and it's like a head fake on a bull flag and it falls back into the pattern, I'm like, screw it, I'm going to get out of it. It might not be a bad thing just to sell a third of it or sell a half of it and then wait to see what it does. Sometimes it'll come right back and it'll make enough to offset the small loss that you took early on. So I think that's another thing that I need to be a little bit more aggressive about in 2024 is scaling out of losers instead of just completely selling out of them altogether before a stop loss is hit. Because I'll do that oftentimes. When I feel like that the market conditions are changing on me and, and that or something's gone wildly weird on an individual trade, I'll say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just get out of this trade and see, step back and see what happens. Sometimes it doesn't hurt to just get out of it a little bit longer. Just like scaling out of a winning position can give you an opportunity to, to ride the stock much higher than you ever thought. Scaling out of a losing position gives you the opportunity for the stock to reverse and go much higher and reduce some of the emotions in the process. So that is my lesson from 2023. One of the things that I don't shy away from is like, these are things that I've learned over 2023. I encourage you to do the same in your own trading. Like when I mess up, I take ownership of it. I learn from it. And it's an opportunity to do better in the future. Like 2024, I'm excited about it. I'm optimistic about it. I'm ready to seize on those opportunities that 2024 has given me. And a lot of those will be because of the lessons that I learned in 2023. There was a lot of good winning trades. There was some losing trades. There were some head scratchers that I had from a trading standpoint. I was like, why did I do that? Why did I buy that stock? Why did I short that stock? But in the end, it all builds on having a better 2024. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review and check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com and send me your questions, ryan at sharepointer.com. I understand your struggles. I've been there. I've probably made worse mistakes than you have. So send me your questions and I would love to make a podcast episode, ryan at sharepointer.com. I'll read them and uh, do my very best to give you your own podcast episode. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.